Okay, one sec. Let me check this real quick. Test one, two, three. Okay, don't move past here. All right. Boop. Oh, are we ready? I think so. I hope so. Okay, when you do your test one, two, three, you always do it very quietly, and you should do it at the volume that you intend to speak. Okay. Let the bodies hit the floor. There you go. There we go. Oh, How's that, that, look? that that broke it. Hold okay. Because <laughs> you're always like test, test one, two, three, test, and then yeah, of course your waveform's gonna look all petite and shit. Okay, you know you just you get me excited. Is the problem? <laughs> <laughs> you're growing out a shower. I get it. Okay. Are we ready to clap? Oh yes. Okay. One, two, three. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hack out all of the cedar jizz, and then we'll we'll start the show. Hold on. <laughs> and I'm back. See, that's the beauty of the mute button on my microphone. When I, was, I remember I to was, use it, it's I was amazing. matching the most disgusting sounds ever coming through the microphone. <laughs> I was like, it's gone quiet. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was. <clears throat> you would have been concerned for my welfare. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> I sound like a swamp creature. <laughs> this is awesome. Again, apologies in advance to everybody who has to listen to me today, but um, the cedar trees are still merrily copulating on my face in in Texas, so <laughs> that's what that sound is. <laughs> that's hot. Whew. All right. Hey, are we uh, are we ready to enter the show? I guess at this point. What else? <laughs> what, what do I got to lose now? <laughs> nothing. Nothing and everything. Okay. I know, so, right? hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marvelous Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Stephanie. I'm the woman half of the show, and I... Chris, Come on. Give I'm me a sorry. Break. Look, I just it's never it's it's fucking it's a hang up at this point. Like I would need hypnotherapy to be able to pull off an actual intro to an episode at this point. I just I'm broken. Don't mock me. Oh, I'm mocking. <laughs> <laughs> Can you mock me while you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hey cool. everybody. Uh, I'm Chris. I am uh that way. <laughs> That way? <laughs> it was something... I'll tell you that story after this. Um, born that way? Is that I'm, what you're saying? I'm, I am born that way. And uh, <laughs> Stephanie, on, mm. occasion, on occasion, Mr. Stark likes to add a theatrical element to his romantic endeavors. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were going to go for that one. It's such a good one. Oh, well, okay. We, we, I, I use my favorite... I feel so sad that we like decided in the middle of last episode that we're just going to do one episode. I'm not sad about it because I did not have this, the wherewithal. I did not have the strength in my soul and my spirit. I did not have the eye of the tiger to edit 
a two and a half hour goddamn episode. Fair. So but, I'm not uh, sad about this. Uh, but <laughs> that Sarah, she's a slut is still my favorite line in the show. Because <laughs> <laughs> Angie's the best, but we will get to it. Anyway, uh, so what we are doing on this podcast is we are watching through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe visual story in chronological order, which means that we started with Captain America, the first Avenger, and now we are launching into Agent Carter, which would be the series that in chronological order happened right after Captain America. So, uh, last time we talked about season one, episode one. So then, <laughs> because we all remember our lessons from Sesame Street, the next episode would be season one, episode two. because marvel and the mcu don't have early clone wars problems where all their shit's out of order star wars oh star wars (laughs) anyway season one episode two bridge and tunnel which i assume is some sort of new york reference to commuting i don't know well, it's... We don't have public transportation in Texas, so <laughs> I, I don't really understand the reference. Um, I, I I love cities with public transportation like New York because it's awesome. I guess. It's a lot of people to have in your car with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> seems weird. Anyway, uh, so <clears throat> here we are in 1946 New York City still. Um do we have any background information on the episode? I've got a couple of notes about who's involved in production um, before we jump into the meat of the story. Yeah, let's talk about the Rockstar Corporation. Okay, first, mm-hmm. <laughs> we will definitely talk about the Rockstar Corporation because it needs talking. But real quick, okay, this episode, Bridge and Tunnel, is directed by Joe Russo. Mm-hmm. That Joe Russo. My favorite. <laughs> As in, of the Russo brothers. As in an executive producer for basically the entire MCU. He directed a few little movies you may have heard of, like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, uh, Civil War, mm-hmm. Infinity War, Endgame. Co-directed, of course, but still. So once <laughs> He literally it- helped land the ship. <laughs> right. So once again, we're seeing the MCU production machine throwing their weight behind the Agent Carter series. Absolutely. So anybody who wants to argue that Agent Carter isn't worth their time or isn't part of the canon, which is patently untrue, uh, I just point you to the credits on these episodes. Are, are there really people saying that Agent Carter isn't canon? Yeah. Oh, no, there, there's so much hate. Because um, I don't know if you've noticed. I mean, we're only two episodes in. But the main character of this show is a woman. Stephanie, are you suggesting that there are sexist Marvel fans? I am not. I'm saying <laughs> that there are. <laughs> that there, there is a lot of, of sexist, misogynist, and internalized misogynist response to this show at the time that it came out. And I am hoping that here we are, seven years later, uh, talking about it, and we can, you know, change some hearts and minds, or maybe introduce some people to it because it was so derided and underrated at the time that it came out. Some people may not have even ever watched it, like, which is sad. Like, like me. Right. And I know and I know you're secretly insulting me and putting me down. What else? No, what else I'm not. I'm not. Oh my god. That was not If I'm going to shade you, baby, I'm going to I'm it's going to be the most obvious shade. I am not a subtle shader. Uh, I wasn't actually talking about you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but like I'm That's not I'm, what I meant at all. But that's that's real though. I I was one of those people like I 
didn't like, I, I've said this before, I didn't like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I never saw Cloak and Dagger, um, but I just had a bad taste I in like my Cloak mouth. And Dagger. Whatever it's called. Um, I like it. No, you I, got the name right. I was just saying that I like it, but I was mumbling while you were talking, and that's really rude. Go on. <laughs> I never stopped you before. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I, and at the time, there were other shows on ABC. I just, I just wasn't into the channel ABC. Sorry, Mickey mm-hmm. Mouse. I'm... Uh, please forgive me for my transgression. Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, I was one of those people. And at, uh, I have, you know, watched ahead a little bit on Agent Carter by now. Uh, and I fucking, <laughs> I fucking love this show with a few exceptions, which uh, leads me to suggest that perhaps before we go any deeper, because I almost forgot about this, we should, mm. we should make a trigger warning real quick. Oh. Yeah, because um, there's a little bit of, let's say... Uh, police brutality in the show oh yeah and we will talk about that i actually have a whole sidebar on that yeah um and i i I just want to uh uh communicate to our listeners that uh, police brutality is an issue that i take seriously um it's bad Mm -hmm. i don't know why in the year 2022 we have to say it's bad (laughs) or why we have to argue that it exists because it's on fucking camera every day now um so, uh, y'all, um, there is police brutality in this particular episode. Steph and I are going to talk about it. And because we are broken people, we're probably going to make jokes about it. <laughs> because, because it's how we cope. It's how we cope. And uh, it's either that or cry and get really upset and throw furniture out the window. And sometimes the crying and getting upset and throwing furniture, metaphorical furniture, because I like my furniture, um, is legit and warranted. But, you know, we got we got a long way to go with this podcast. So uh, we're probably going to default to our, our primary coping mechanism, which is to make shitty jokes. So mm-hmm. uh, bear with us as we talk about that. Okay, <laughs> that was that was good. Yeah, I think that was definitely good to call out up front. Yeah. Okay, so did you want to... You want to tell us a little bit about Roxxon? So can I talk about Roxxon right now? I would love to hear about Roxxon. Heather, let me tell you about the fucking rabbit hole I went under with this fucking thing. So, uh, Roxxon Corporation, it is a Marvel comic thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yes, I know there are multiple versions of Roxxon because there are multiple multiverses. I ain't going to get into that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I will tell you that uh, Roxxon Corporation made its debut in December 1974 in Captain America issue number 180. Mm. Uh, the CEO of said company at the time was a character named Hugh Jones. Hey. Hey, hey. Who is the CEO of Roxxon Corporation in this show. <laughs> yep. Now, um, uh, Roxxon Corporation came about at a very interesting time in not just Marvel, uh, m- Marvel history, but... Our American history in general. Uh, it's ni- it's the it's the early '70s still. We're coming out of the '60s, and you know there's a lot of peace and love, man, and <laughs> and fuck the man, and all that kind of stuff. And so, Rockstar Corporation was one of many uh, evil corporation stereotypes that were developed by Stanley and other comic writers to kind of represent that that energy, that anti-corporation mm-hmm. energy that was starting to become very popular in culture. I love it. I love how much Stanley and and the Marvel comic universe really kept their finger on the pulse of what people were thinking about and and where where the focus of society was at the time. It's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Jones in particular was a member of a secret Illuminati group called the Council of Nine, which is a thing that comes up in this show. Um, but um, that's kind of where a lot of the similarities 
end just because in the comics this corporation was invented in the 70s mm-hmm. and we're in the 40s so there was a um interesting argument uh several series of arguments i found by uh this is an actual term i've discovered marvel scholars because Marvel's oh wow because Marvel's so old and there's so much right. stuff that there are historians now for Marvel. Absolutely. And it's so intertwined with, with society and so closely reflects, um, you know, social justice themes and, and pop culture of the time that, yeah, no, that's a valid historical study. And I would like to stop recording right now and go back to school and get my degree <laughs> in, <laughs> Marvel. in Marvel history. Right. Um, so, uh, so I would minor in Star Wars lore. I would be. That's that's, that's legit, would, right? I, see, I would flip it around. I, I was going to be, damn it. <laughs> At this rate. <laughs> At this um, rate, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so... Oh, shit, I just lost my train of thought. I am so sorry. No, it's fine. Oh, yeah, so the when I was reading, uh, there were a lot of essays written about this, and there was a lot of criticism because the Rockstar Corporation was very much an early 70s thing. Why would you introduce that into the 40s when, you know, there wasn't, like, a lot of anti-corporation fervor? Mm-hmm. But um, this uh, essay writer, uh, Big Daddy eighty nine, yes, the <laughs> username. <laughs> but he, I love the internet. Go on. I know, but uh, but actually, uh, he actually wrote a really uh, eloquent essay where he was like, "Well, Rockstar Corporation was reinvented for Agent Carter to right. bring in the cor- corporate espionage aspects of the story because mm-hmm. that was a very big thing in noir, uh, noir storytelling was corporate espionage. Right. So there you go. And and also they're telling this story. They're not telling this story in 1946. It's set in 1946, but it's being told in 2015. Right. And there's plenty of anti-corporate fervor in yeah, 2015. It, it's, it's an intermingling of different styles of storytelling, which I love. And also, it's rocks on oil. So, yeah, 2015, sure, fucking hate oil. Throw a dart at the at the last 20 years, and you'll find an environmental oil-related disaster somewhere. So, yeah. yeah, Relevant. It's relevant. Yeah, so Rockstar Corporation in the comics, they've dealt with a lot of superheroes. Most recently, they were responsible for the death of Iron Man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, don't worry, he came back, of course, because it's Marvel. Um, oh, comic books. Oh, comic books. So, yeah, so that's 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 background story on that, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. It wasted an entire afternoon of my life, so there we are. It's not a waste if you thought it was cool. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you just said you did, though. You said, I, mean, I thought that was cool, and then it was a waste. So, like, yeah, where, yeah, where the, are we, Heather? Are you my, my keyword now? was that, as in that particular thing I read oh, about was cool. my bad. That was an error in interpretation. Yeah, but but like you said, there was a, there is so much sexism in the Marvel fan culture. There, People were just mad they incorporated Roxanne, Roxanne because it is such a you know, a big part of the Marvel tap universe and how dare they use it on Peggy Carter. Peggy oh Carter my show. God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And then I'm sure they got mad later when it came up again in Cloak and Dagger, which was a show that have, that had a, uh, a young black man and a girl. Oh my God. I know. I, I don't know. That's a fact. I'm just projecting that it may be, it seems statistically probable based on all of my experience. Mm-hmm. With the more negative aspects of the fandom, which mm-hmm. is not all of the fandom. Some of the fandom's pretty fucking great. But anyway. Oh, yeah, um, like, is... like our listeners. <laughs> yeah. Hi, guys. You're awesome. Okay. Um, but mm-hmm. what, real quick, last note about Roxanne. Um, Go in, on. in the show, they are the creators of the Captain America Adventure radio program. 
<laughs> well, they're the sponsors, yeah. And in but, the com- in, in the comics, they uh, uh, sp- they cr- developed a TV show about Captain America. So there's that correlation. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are we ready to dive into the episode? I am ready. All right. We open up with... That's right. And now it's time for the Captain America Adventure Program. Brought to you by Roxxon Motor Oil. I fucking love the radio show. Oh, I, I, I mean, I love... This is like one of my favorite eras of just not not just music, but like radio in general. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about The Shadow, Doc, yes. Doctor Who. Um, uh, about that Doctor Who, but a different Doctor Who? Yeah, radio. The it was a radio show, right? Um, uh, Flash. I have no idea. <laughs> Flash Gordon. Yeah, mm-hmm. there there were a lot of radio shows that later in in the twentieth century became television shows. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I just love I love the foley artist in the background making all the sound effects, like slapping mm. a ham when they're getting in a fight, or like <laughs> breaking up a lobster for the sound of breaking bones and shit. Um, and we get we are introduced to uh, first we have the announcer that is an actor by the name of Ralph Gorman. He mostly does announcer and celebrity anna- announcer voices and celebrity impersonations. Um, he does a lot of Robot Chicken. He did Celebrity Deathmatch back in the day. Badass. That's that's the guy that's announcing uh, the Captain America Adventure Program. <laughs> um, and the Captain America Adventure Program follows the story of Betty Carver. The battalion's mm-hmm. triage nurse, who is, you know, the paramour of Captain America. Betty Carver, get it? As mm-hmm. in Peggy Carter? Mm-hmm. Betty Carver? <laughs> it's so insulting! <laughs> and, and, she, and she needs help from Captain America all the all time. All the time! All the time she needs help and she's sewing buttons and she's so worried about her man. But oh no, Nazis! You lousy krauts are in big trouble once Captain America gets here. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, the lady who is voicing Betty Carver, that is Erin Torpy. She is a voice actress who has, uh, she is Susan Storm in the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Whoa. And she is the voice of the goddess Athena in all of the God of War games. I love that so much. Right? And yet here she is just simpering away into the microphone. I fucking love it. Uh, and so, yeah, it's the story of Betty Carver being rescued by Captain America from the Nazis over and over and over. And we go from watching that radio show being produced to the radio show being played in the diner where Peggy is staring at the radio like she could burn it with her eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) Can you please turn that off? (laughs) Yeah. She asks Angie to turn it off and Angie's like, oh, yeah, sure. I lost the I lost that role (laughs) to what's her face. (laughs) I love that. She tried to audition for Betty Carver. Fucking fantastic. But real but real talk before we get deeper. Yeah. Um. I want Captain America to save me from Nazis every day, too. <laughs> In fact, there are two two meanings to that. I really do want all Nazis on this planet to, like, leave. And right. uh, I want Captain America to save me. With his with, arms. With his arms, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and his pets. <laughs> Or lack, well, okay, lack, okay. Anyway, whoa, 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 whoa. Pants optional. Anyway, so back into Agent Carter. Um, so Peggy is sitting in the diner uh, looking through some classified ads. She's trying to find a new place to live because her last her last living situation didn't work out so great. Aww. Because 
a bizarre man with a scar on his throat murdered her roommate. Right. Oh. So, okay. And, and Peggy has feelings about that. <laughs> she does have feelings about that. She's allowed to have feelings about that, and I support her. Yeah, because, you know, she's the reason why she's dead. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, you know. so Angie sees that she's looking at the uh, the classified ads, and we get a shot of the ads. Did you see what they did there? Well, I saw that they put her uh, the obituary of her roommate in there. Or well, yeah, roommate. the obituary is in the newspaper right uh, right underneath where Peggy's looking at the, uh, the, the ads. But no, Peggy has circled three apartment ads on this paper. And the circles form the hidden Mickey of this episode. Wait a minute, there are, there's a hidden Mickey? There's a hidden Mickey. For those of you who, oh like me, God. like me before I did, before I discovered this, had no idea what the fuck a hidden Mickey is. Like, that sounds like getting drugged at a bar, honestly. Um, but no, the How hidden Mickey, you? the hidden Mickey is when a Disney production will cleverly hide the symbol for Mickey Mouse in the show somewhere. And in this one, it was these three circles around these classified ads for apartments are shaped like Mickey Mouse's head. Now I'm going to go back and look for it. You do that, honey. I knew you'd like it. Okay, you don't understand. Uh, sidebar. <laughs> you could. There are books that you can buy that will tell you about all the hidden Mickeys in any given theme park, and there's a shit ton. And there's a whole tour, and it's awesome. And thank you, Mickey Mouse. You make life wonderful. <laughs> we bow before the mouse, and we are loyal servants. We would like to officially be loyal servants. So hey, yeah, hit us fucking up. hire us. We'll do. We'll do your adult Disney podcast channel thing. Bow, 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 bow. Okay, so, <laughs> we'll do anything. So Angie anything. sees that Peggy is looking okay. <laughs> um, do you need a moment? Apparently. All right. So Peggy is looking at these ads. Angie sees it and uh, rattles off some information about uh, basically translating these ads for her, uh, that these are not places that you want to live. I know a place. It's great. It's actually next door to me. And you should you should live. You should be my neighbor. You should come live where I live. And Peggy clearly is tempted by this because it seems great. But then her eyes fall upon the obituary of the last girl she lived near. Yeah. And she doesn't want to get, she doesn't want to get Angie killed. And I don't want her to get Angie killed, even though I suspect that Angie's probably a spy or something like that at this point. <laughs> so Peggy turns her down uh, and says, actually, I'm going to go look at an apartment right now. And where, where is the place that she's going to go look at? Yeah, it's a it, liar. Uh, uh, she has gone to one of many, apparently, Howard Stark's uh, penthouse apartments. So she wasn't lying. She really is going to go look at a place to live right now. It just happens to be Howard Stark's place. Yeah, it's one of his se- one of his sex apartments, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> it's the place where he keeps one of his he keeps his lady friends. Um, but you know, since he's out of town and nobody's in residence, ta-da! Peggy can use it. In fact, Mister Stark is insisting. That she does, according to Jarvis, who is giving her the tour of the place. While Peggy is insisting uh, (laughs) repeatedly that she can't do this. Right. It's not a good idea. It looks super suspicious. Me being associated with Howard Stark by living in his house is just a really bad look right now while I'm trying to secretly, covertly clear his name on treason charges. Right. So, like, maybe I shouldn't stay. But she says all of this while munching on a scone that she nicked off of the tray in the hallway. Uh-huh. So. Because this place has its own cook. Yeah, of course it does. Yep, yep. 
uh, Peggy, <laughs> this is a no-brainer. Just sneak in and out. It's fine. Just have the name change from Howard Stark to Peggy Carter and we're good. This is my apartment now. <laughs> right. I own this and nobody questions it. Um, and I love, this is just a little thing. It's just a little thing that happens a couple of times in this episode. But I think it's important. Peggy is seen eating in the show. Why, why, why is that important? You, you can ask that because you're a dude. Women are almost never shown eating on TV. Almost never. Or if they are shown eating, they're eating like a salad or like an egg white omelet, but then they only pick at it and they never finish the whole thing. And then they, if they do finish the whole thing, oh my, you know, they're going to talk about how they got to go on a diet soon. The stigma surrounding women on TV and eating food is real. So I, 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 my, my male privilege, uh, Never allowed me to know about that until now. I'm shocked. Yeah, there you go. Um, and now you're not going to be able to unsee it. You're not yeah. going to be able like 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 the 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 Ghostbusters movie with all mm-hmm. the ladies in it. That one scene where they're all just hanging out and eating pizza was fucking revolutionary. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny because like my two favorite comedies include women always eating. Oh. Yeah, Golden Girls and Gilmore mm-hmm. Girls. Right. The the Golden Girls and their cheesecake. And yeah. that and that's why that's part of why the Golden Girls focus so much on them eating their goddamn cheesecake, because those four were feminist fucking icons of the time. And that was part of that fight. That's awesome. Was just showing them eating goddamn food on TV. I love them so much. Anyway, okay, so that's that's pretty cool. I I never knew that. Thank you for educating me on. on You're welcome. On yeah. And um, my cat Boomer would like to educate us on the fact that she um would like out. Oh, I heard that. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be right back. Leave it right. <laughs> How I'll be right. dare you? <laughs> one one moment, please. <laughs> All right, honey, let's go. Come on. That's a bitchy cat. <laughs> go away. Thank you. I give it five minutes before that bitch wants back in here. I know, right? Fucking hell. God damn it. It's like she read a manual on how to be a cat. Anyway, anyway, so Peggy is um, noshing on some scoons, and she's not convinced until Jarvis shows her the bedroom, which is very nice. <laughs> right. But that's the sex chamber, right? It is, in fact, the sex chamber. Peggy's not phased by that. She doesn't care. It has obviously been laundered. And sanitized since the last time it was used for sexcapades, because Jarvis is good at his job. But the co- the, the costume closet is still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she goes over, opens up the closet. They're 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 comparing notes about research that they've done. You know, trying to find anybody who's got a scar on their throat and can't talk without a voice box or anything about Leviathan. They've got nothing. Peggy's like, okay, I'm gonna go and investigate at the dairy. That was associated with the truck that I saw that was full of bombs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I need some inspiration, some ideas. She opens the closet and there's an array of sexy costumes. Including a, uh, including a sexy nurse costume. <laughs> <laughs> there's a sexy nurse costume. There's, cl- there's like a military jacket in there. There's just some straight up red lingerie, uh, which Peggy pulls out and eyeballs Jarvis. And then Jarvis says the line that you checked at the beginning <laughs> where he says, On occasion, Mr. Stark enjoys adding a theatrical element to his romantic endeavors. <laughs> God bless Jarvis. Don't, don't we all? 
indeedy do. Uh, <laughs> but in that closet, she does find a sexy doctor jacket, like a lab coat. And she's like, oh, this will do nicely. Um, so <laughs> apparently the, the sexy doctor coat is going to factor into Pe- Peggy's plan somehow. We don't know yet. Uh, mm-hmm. But we do cut to our friend, the spy, the killer spy, that spy. So he, it's creepy guy number two, according to my notes. Right. And according <laughs> to IMDb, this character's name is Sasha Demidoff. I don't know that we've ever heard that or I, we ever will. That is interesting. Um, from now on, he's creepy guy number two. Okay. And, and Lee Brannis is creepy guy number one. <laughs> right? And here's the thing. Okay. So, um, Sasha Demidoff, creepy guy number two. <laughs> he's typing, uh, away to, uh, apparently his contact with the magical typewriter that's got a guy under the desk tippy typing for yeah, him. Yeah, the, the evil typewriter, which, by the way, I don't like these scenes very much. I have a hard time reading it. I have to fucking pause and stare at the font for a bit to even right. get a sense about what's happening. So, you have to forgive me. I don't quite understand this exchange. Okay, so what happened was, um, <laughs> creepy guy number two is reporting that the technology that they're looking for, uh, presumably referring to the bombs, mm-hmm. um, the molecular nitramine explosives, the orange glowy, the, the orange stuff, glowy stuff, yeah, yeah, uh, that is in the hands of the thief Leet Branas, which is our first indication that Leet Branas is creepy guy number one's name, right. And um, it's it's a it's not a great name, and I love that the show calls that out. But we will get to it. Uh, and he is being told by his handler at the other end of the line that he needs to get to fucking work yeah. and get that technology because Leviathan grows impatient. Dun dun dun. Translation: Get it done, or you're going to get fucking killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will find you and end you. I think I'm I may be interpreting, but okay. I think that's a fair interpretation. Hmm. Um, so, uh, we find out that Peggy's plan is to go to the dairy that is associated <laughs> with the truck using Erskine's Vitaray detector. Right. That she nicked from the files, the, the entire box of case files on Project Rebirth, which was the making Captain America hoojabooja. Her thing. disguise is so badass, by the way. I, uh... Legit, I, the first time I watched this episode, I did not realize that was her. Ruth Barton, City of New York Health Department. You heard of that? Really? Yeah, I. Huh. Because uh, uh, I always do. A, I do an initial watch through where it's all in the background while I'm working, and it, I always watch everything. I we do three times, right? Mm-hmm. The first time is just like the 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 initial. You're so palette. dedicated. I know I am. Anyway, I looked over and like even her voice, like she had a mm-hmm. great American accent. Um, I was just blown away by how how good her drag was. Yeah, <laughs> her accent was much better than the Betty Boop one that she used in the nightclub last time. Um, and what they did with this scene was really, <laughs> this entire episode uh, is basically everybody traveling on different paths to converge at the same point. Yes. So this scene is showing simultaneous action between uh, Creepy Guy number two following uh, the trail of of buyers and suppliers and potential people doing business with Lee Branis to try and get to where the fucking bombs are. Mm-hmm. And that is cut in between with scenes of Peggy storming this fucking dairy and investigating all of the trucks to try and find the one that's got Vita radiation on it to lead to where the bombs are and Lee Branis. So they're both going to the same place. So these scenes are, are very deftly woven together. Um, but let me talk about the dairy real quick. Oh, no. 
<laughs> so she's going to the dairy and like this is back in the day like this is back in the milkman day like when you would get your milk delivered fresh to your doorstep right. every day from a particular dairy and that dairy distribution center would have trucks they would fill up with the bottles and the of milk and the butter and the cheese and everything that they got from a particular dairy farm now we saw we got a good close-up on the bottle for Daisy Clover Dairy, which was the logo, logo that she saw on the side of the truck that had the bombs in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we got a good close-up on that because Peggy was noting down the address of their distribution center that was on the bottle. Because if you want to put in a new order to get your milk, you got to go to the distribution center and be like, "Hey, start delivering milk to this address." Because that's how it was. It was like it was like Hello Fresh. But for for dairy products only. Only uh, cheese and milk. Well, in a lot of places, that was the only way you can get milk and cheese because supermarkets weren't stocked with, like, the coolest freezers and... Yeah, refrigeration was not always super common. Right. Like, that, that wasn't always a thing. And so... Aren't, and you, like, aren't you kids glad you were born in this world versus that world? Hey, hey. So... Uh, fun fact, not Uh-oh. so fun. Uh-oh. In the early 1900s, there was an outbreak of bovine tuberculosis in the United States. And it was a big fucking deal because bovine tuberculosis is communicable to humans through the milk. So there became a tuberculosis outbreak in the human population that was linked back to contaminated milk from infected cows. <gasps> so there became this huge... Are you okay? <laughs> We should have so- put a trigger warning at the top of the episode about <laughs> foodborne illness. Sorry, guys. I, I, um, I was I wanted breakfast tacos, and now I don't. <laughs> I'm lying. I want breakfast tacos. You do. You know, you do. With, with queso the, on with, top. Oh. With tomatillo salsa. And the, oh, so good. Okay. Oh, I hate you. So there was a huge crackdown in the dairy industry on cow herds. Because of this. And so it became very much uh, the badge of honor amongst dairies to be able to prove and certify that their cow herds were tested clean of bovine tuberculosis. It was oh, wow. such a big deal. It was such a big deal that they would mark every single bottle of their milk um, as, quote, from certified tuberculosis free herds. Wow. And it's important to point out the Daisy Clover Dairy does not have this note on the bottle. Ew. So having this uh, very aggressive little woman in a lab coat show up to inspect the dairy distribution center was probably a much bigger deal and more alarming than Peggy thought that it was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. A little fun 1946 history for you guys. <laughs> Yay, history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our world so- is terrible. Anyway. <laughs> We've come so far, Heather. I know. So very, very far. Um, so uh, Peggy's poking around at the at the dairy place. Um, what does she find? What does she, she didn't find shit? Not a goddamn thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was looking, at, but she. I was like, she didn't find anything. <laughs> nope. She's trying. She, she's using this Vitaray detector on every truck she can get her hands on, uh, poking around and and terrifying the guy running this place, and she finds nothing. And then she finds out, well, and then the guy tells her, oh, there's a truck, or she finds out there, there's a truck missing. Right. And she's like, W2F, where is that truck? And the the boss guy says, well, uh, such and such, uh, he needs to use the truck to get from home to here and blah, blah, blah. So he takes it home with him. 
And she's like, has he never heard of the bus? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so uh, that truck that's missing is probably the truck that she's looking for. So she gets the guy's name. It's Sheldon McPhee. Yep. Okay. And he lives out in Jersey somewhere. But the guy at the dairy doesn't have the address. So she's got a name and now she's got to go chase that down. Meanwhile, at the same time that that whole scene is happening, we've got our um, our mute creepy guy number two trying to interrogate mobsters. And it's not going great. Well, he's, he's got a guy's hand nailed to a table with a knife. That's nice. But he can't ask questions because he can't talk. So he keeps holding up these cards with typewritten words on them. And he's holding up a card that says Leet Brannis. Now, Leet, L-E-E-T, Brannis. And it's in all caps. So there's no way of knowing what the fuck Elite Brannis is. <laughs> is that a person's name? Is it a place? Is it a noun? Is it a vegetable? Let's play charades. Yeah. I can't guess what the fuck... <laughs> And this poor mobster's like, I don't know what is elite Brannis. I would love to answer you. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't. So, oh my god. <laughs> so creepy guy number two gives up, puts that card away, pulls out another one that says nitramine. And now the mobster knows what he's talking about. Yep. And he starts selling it on his friends. He's like, I told Spider not to buy that shit. Blah, blah, blah. Right. It's too hot. It's too dangerous. It's too expensive. We can't deal with it. But I know a guy who probably did. Yeah. And so he gives him a lead to another guy named Gino in Bensonhurst. Like, it's mobster after mobster here. As the camera pans, pans out from this and creepy guy number two straight murders that guy, uh, you see that he killed his wife, too. Yeah. Like, in the middle so of dinner. <laughs> Jesus. Fucking hell, creepy guy number two. And And the noir of it all. I love... This is... This is so classic noir. I love it. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. Anyway. It's good shit. Um, so, meanwhile, back at the SSR. <laughs> I, I have in my notes, sexist pigs see an entire ball of metal. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Accurate. Yes. That is exactly what happened. Uh, so, basically, the ball of wreckage from Roxon gets hauled in for them to find something. Because remember the explosion that we saw at the end of last episode uh, that blew up from one, one of these little glowy orange bombs blew up the entire Roxxon facility and then imploded it all back in on itself, taking with it lots of things, including the back bumper and license plate from Howard Stark's car. Uh Uh-oh. So, but, but we don't find that, that out to the end of this episode. Well, no, we saw it get ripped off the car. Yeah, but then we don't know that they're going to find it. Yeah, Right. We know it's in there somewhere. And so they're looking at it, and Krasminski's a fucking idiot. He's like, what do you think oh it is, magnets? God. Oh, is my it, God. Is it magnets? And, and Jack Thompson, who it would be nice if he was an idiot. I know. But he's not. He's quite smart. He's like, no, it's not magnets. We've got wood fused with metal, fused with plastic. This isn't magnets. <laughs> Last time I checked, stone and wood don't carry a magnetic charge. Well, excuse me, Sir Isaac Newton. <laughs> That's gravity, you dumb ape. (laughs) (laughs) They spend a lot of this episode dunking on Kresminski for being an idiot, and I'm here for it. And I'm here for that, too, even though they're all sexist, horrible pigs. But anyway, I digress. So Chief Dooley is looking at this, and he's like, nah, this is Howard Stark. This has got to be Howard Stark. Only fucking Howard Stark and his Stark tech bullshit would be able to pull something like this off. He's he's right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he's right. So he's like, we're going to go talk to Roxxon Corporation. Dun, because dun, dun. You, because somebody doesn't burn down your house without a reason. Exactly. 
So they're going to go talk to Roxon. Chris Minsky's like, okay, let's go. And they're like, nah. No. Nah, you big idiot. Your job <laughs> is to pull out the pieces of this 10-ton ball of wreckage and find us some evidence. <laughs> have fun. Bye. And Thompson looks, uh, I have in my notes, Thompson looks relieved. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, upstairs, uh, Peggy is about to go out and do some detective work. But right then, Agent Souza gets the photos that were developed from the camera at the nightclub. Uh, yeah, right before that, Souza oh. was looking at a, a newspaper sheet of uh, horse betting odds. Yes. And because this is important because it comes up a little bit later. But, um, yeah, Peggy's kind of, like, telling him, well, you know, you should pick that one. And he's like, why? Sure. Not at all. That's why they call it gambling. And he's like, okay. And they're flirting. And I'm like, oh. I know, right? Like, they're, I like, love they're, him like, so he's, a, he's, like, a work husband. They're, like, friends, but they're flirting. But they're, but it's professional. And I love it. I love him. I love her. I love them. Let's make it happen. If we stare at the screen and wish hard enough, we can make it happen, <laughs> right? Clothes go flying off and boom. Anyway, Yours. I don't think either actors would appreciate that. But no, they eh, wouldn't. And we're, we're wishing respectfully, okay? <laughs> I want this for them. This, consensually. This whole series just, uh, like, it just, it, I love romance. I love romance novels and romance stories. And this just, this pleases that center of my brain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Peggy did manage to get a hold of the driver's address. Right. So that's good. The the Sheldon McPhee, she's got his address. He's out in Jersey somewhere. Um, and then uh, Sousa gets called away from his desk. Like, there's the envelope full of photos. She's about to, he's about to pull the photos out. And Peggy's like, I can help you. I'll help you look through them. Because I think my face might be in there somewhere. <laughs> I may and not I have dodged you... the camera successfully. I need to make sure. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, me I'm just, I'm just super helpful. This isn't a thing at all. Uh, and, but Sousa gets called away by Krasminski, who <sighs> tells Peggy to get some filing done for him and claps his hands at her like she's a fucking dog. Mm-hmm. I hate him. How do you feel about that stuff? <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> anyway uh so he calls Sousa away to help him pick apart the wreckage and Sousa locks up the photos in the drawer of his desk right so now we get the comedy of errors that is peggy carter trying to get into that drawer without anybody noticing uh yeah i mean <laughs> she's she's eventually not successful but um yeah she uh but there is a there was a part of my so this is part of my notes that got where i'm confused okay and she also, right after this, calls Jarvis and is like, you need to get rid of that fucking car. Right. She goes over to Chief Dooley's phone in his office because he's not there, pushes a little button that makes the call untraceable and calls Jarvis and tells him to get rid of the car because Krasminski just dropped to her that they've got the wreckage. Right. Oh, right. So, so Jarvis needs to get rid of the fucking car. And Jarvis is like, okay, well, I've got laundry to do. And she's like, no, now. God damn it, Jarvis. <laughs> now, now, now. <laughs> and we will find out later that the way Jarvis got rid of it was by uh, parking it somewhere. Uh, God, what neighborhood was it in? I don't know. I'm not from Yankee Land. I don't know what all the names of their neighborhoods oh, are. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, he, he left it in a very bad part of town with the keys and the ignition. With the keys and, and the ignition. Was, yeah. <laughs> so Which, he's like, I'm pretty sure it's gone. Yeah, yeah. And fair Which point, not fair wrong, point. By the way, even, yeah. yeah. It's not like there's a GPS or like a VIN number or anything on that car. So, Probably. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
So Peggy is like, she makes that phone call and then she's like trying to crawl around on the floor to get under Suze's desk because there's other guys in the office. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to be sneaky to, to pick the lock on the drawer. It doesn't work. Um, and eventually she gets a, a phone call. But meanwhile, we cut back to Roxon Corporation. Roxon Oil. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Where Chief Dooley and Jack Thompson are meeting. <laughs> Who are they meeting? <laughs> What was Hugh Jones? But what was that? Hugh Jones. <laughs> He's it's it's Hugh Jones who is played by an actor named Ray Wise doing doing his best. Oh god damn it! Who 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 made Playboy? Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. Yeah. Yes, I think Ray Wise saw that the character's first name is Hugh and was like, "There, that is my character inspiration." Pretty much. He's doing he's doing his best Hugh Hefner impersonation. Uh, that's exactly what it is. Uh, Hugh Hefner was notorious about offering people drinks way too early in the day. Yeah, and he offers two federal agents like a giant glass of whiskey at ten forty-five in the morning. Uh, I love I love this reference. It's like it's 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 in the morning, and the guy gestures and puts ice in the yeah. in the drink. I love that reference because it, on a in the middle of the day, if you're drinking whiskey, you put ice in it. But it's supposed okay. to be like two p.m. right. And in the mm. evening, you don't put, you know, anyway, I love that reference. That's you're, very cool. You're probably not a whiskey drinker. I am not, but <laughs> I appreciate the insight. Yeah. Because I think that's very cool. There's a, there's interesting, there's weird little, culture. Yeah. There's a lot of weird culture shit in this, in this show. And I love it. I love it all. Anyway. So, um, Ray Wise, real quick about him. Um, he's an actor. You've seen him in everything. Anything everything. that has a smarmy character of any kind, uh, who's just like handsome and a little too smiley and kind of creepy. Uh, he's played that character. Right. He has played Satan no less than half a dozen times. <laughs> he played politicians. He had a good run on the young and the restless, mm-hmm. just like Lindsay Fonseca. Like I said, there's a lot of young and the restless actors in this show. So that's him. He was also, for those of you who are fans of twin peaks, he was Leland Palmer. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So, just in case you're wondering what vibe they're going for with Hugh Jones, he's got the way he's playing the scene. He's got that may or may not be entirely sober smile going on. <laughs> I love it. Um, but they, so yeah, he's he's talking with Chief Julian. Chief got. Bleh, I'll come in again. He's talking with Chief Julian. Jack Thompson. Now I'm unsure. Is that his I cannot name? Chief talk Dooley? anymore. <laughs> you know what? Take it from here, Heather. What are they talking about? <laughs> anyway, so they're asking him, you know, why would Howard Stark want to blow up or implode your your factory? And uh, uh, Hugh is basically like, look, uh, Stark and I have a personal thing. He kind of uh, fucked fu- his wife. <laughs> fucked his wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love oh, fucking Starks. Howard. Fucking Starks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that's how he does his corporate espionage, by the way. Is Stark beds the CEO's uh, wife yeah. and gets all these trade secrets, right? Absolutely. And, then, and so they were like, well, "Why? Why would he do that?" Blah blah blah. Uh, Hugh reveals that uh, Stark supposedly wanted to buy uh, his uh, the exact uh, oil refinery that got destroyed. Which makes me wonder if Stark wanted to buy it because that was the only refinery in the facility that could have produced molecular nitramine that's exactly where i was going with that okay cool see yeah. you're so smart i'm so smart we're smart together. we're smarty <laughs> uh so then hugh uh so the the <laughs> the agents aren't quite sure why stark would even want to do this and so hugh 
was basically like, look, uh, you're not investigating anything else, just the Stark situation, because Hugh is uh, practicing his own corporate espionage. Right. He's about <laughs> to admit to corporate espionage. And they're like, we're not looking for you. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so then Hugh tells them about the orange sh- exploding shit. <laughs> right. So Hugh Jones has a source inside Stark technology, mm-hmm. Stark Industries. I can't talk today. It's a good thing I don't have a fucking podcast, right? God. <laughs> anyway, uh, Hugh Jones has a mole inside Stark's company who told him about the molecular nitramine and how it gives off Vita radiation. And um, pause here. I'm pretty sure that mole is Anton Venko, the doctor they talked to last time that Peggy and Jarvis went to go talk to to find out about the Vita radiation in the first place. <gasps> that's a good. That's a good. That's a good one. I didn't even think about that. Ta-da! So, Vita radiation. So, uh, while Peggy is trying to break into Sousa's desk back at the SSR, her phone rings, she ignores it, then uh, (laughs) Sousa's phone starts to ring, and fuck, Sousa's coming back, and so she has to scurry back to her desk and stuff, and it's a a cute moment. Um, But the phone call is Chief Dooley calling for Peggy, and calling for her to fetch the Vita radiation detector. That they've right. got in storage. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll find that. It's in my purse right now. <laughs> <laughs> I already have it, but I can't tell you why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she had to fetch it and run it down to Roxon. So when Peggy shows up in Hugh Jones's office, she walks in. She looks amazing because she always looks amazing. Uh-huh. And Hugh Jones looks at her and smiles. <laughs> Oh, God. And says, Well, I didn't know our government had such good taste in secretaries. What's your name, darling? Uh, my notes. I bet Stephanie loved this shit. <laughs> I did. Because Peggy stared into his soul and said, Agent. <laughs> he was unfazed. <laughs> he did not give a damn. He didn't give a fuck. He's like, oh, agents are pretty too. That's he was like, awesome. Whatever, sweetheart, you know. Yeah. God damn it. (laughs) Why even are men? Okay. Not all men. Hashtag not all men. Susan's right there. Okay. Anyway, so why has uh, Chief Dooley called Peggy here with the Vita Ray thing? Well, because uh, they need to check every employee with the scanner and they have employed women and it would be totally inappropriate for a man to scan a woman. So they need Peggy to scan the women. I feel like that's legit. Uh, Jack Thompson even said, I volunteered. Chief said it wouldn't be appropriate. Because Jack Thompson's a pig and Chief Dooley is not. As much of a pig. Now, I did I did confess in the last episode my, my hatred for Chad Michael Murray. You did? Yeah. Um, I want him to check me for Vita Radiation. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 He's I, a good looking man. He is. Yeah, I don't need to like you to bane you. <laughs> it doesn't have to be an emotional thing it right. doesn't even need to be respect yeah i don't i don't like every single person i play you know smash brothers with or chess or role-playing games with i but i like to do that activity with that person i would like to do the sexy time activity with chad michael murray anyway. whereas i guess i'm like a girl or something but i need to like the people that i'm playing smash brothers or tabletop role playing games or uh the beast with two backs with i need to like them backs. i there's got to be some like there's got to be some respect there i will joke about you know not minding possibly climbing some fucking horrific supervillain i would actually never cuz i don't like them 
I don't like Jack Thompson. We would never. It would no. Can we uh, hold on a second? I choose to disbelieve. What? Oh, I rolled a one. Yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> no, honey, the one is a failure. You no, I, my, me. But the joke there is I rolled so low, but the DC is so low to not believe that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, Andy I, joke. No, no, I believe you, Steph. You have to respect right. the person you want to have sex with. Because anyway. of who I am as a person. All right, all right, all right, all right. Moving on. Um, so, yeah, they need to start scanning people for Vita radiation because right. whoever they scan is going gonna, is gonna to set it off. And that's there's somebody who is possibly present when the Roxxon uh, facility exploded. So that's when Peggy realizes, oh, shit, I'm probably going to set off this <laughs> yeah. Vita ray detector. Yep. So she's Which I'm like, not sure why she didn't figure that out at the dairy, but okay. Yeah, you know, I didn't think about that either, so I don't mind that plot hole so much. Okay, okay. Yeah. You know. um, so she she runs off to the bathroom real quick yeah. and uh, and does a scan of herself and discovers that, yeah, her watch that she was wearing that night is in fact setting it off. And Whoops. that was apparently a gift from her Nana. So she's like, sorry, Nana, and throws it in the trash. Aww. Boo, boo. Okay. Yep. So then we get to the scene where uh, the employees are lining up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Peggy City uh, is on standby and all the guys are sitting behind a table. So that's nice to let Peggy sit down. Uh, yeah, well, I know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, she, but yeah. What I imagine happened right before that is they offered her a chair and she refused. She was like, fuck you, I'm standing. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. We'll have Ken in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so they're checking the employees, and then uh, creepy guy one point five. Who? What? <laughs> the guy who she definitely saw and blinded with the flashy device thing in in the last episode right. at the Roxxon facility. Right. He's in line. Yeah. So uh, she is trying to figure out how to tell the other agents, "Hey, it's that guy." Right. Without also exposing the fact that she already knows that. Right. And so she's waiting to see if he sets off the Vita ray detector. Right. But here's the thing. Did you notice Chief Dooley can tell something's up with her? I did notice that. He clocks that. He's looking at her and looking at the doctor and trying to figure out what's the math here because she's tense. Uh-oh. She tensed up as soon as she saw him. So Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, the guy doesn't set off the detector, even though she 100% fucking knows he was there. Right. He made the shit. He's right. He was covered in the shit. Exactly. And so then she's like, oh, hey, so he's wearing a company-issued uniform. Um, so it's possible that Vita radiation would have just, like, it would have come off the skin in the shower, and, um, and it wouldn't be on these company-issued uniforms because they weren't there. So we should be scanning whatever he was wearing when he came in. Mm-hmm. And he takes off running. And the 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 agents, except for Peggy Carter, run after him through the fucking hallway. Because Peggy- cops can't help it, okay? Right. They're like, this is pointed out in the Discworld, and it is 100% correct. Police of any kind are like terrier dogs. If you run from them, they will chase you. Absolutely. So Agent Carter, because she's the most intelligent person in the room, looks over to Hugh <laughs> and is like, so where are they going? And he's like, they're going down to the lobby. And she's like, oh. Okay, is that the staircase over there? Okay, bye. And she just ca- <laughs> she just casually walks down the stairs, grabs some dude's bookcase, and effortlessly knocks down the guy that was running away. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she happens, she got in front of him, yeah. knocked him out. Thompson and Dooley come huffing and puffing up. They're like, ah. yeah, They're sweating. They're like, you know, in a, in a, they're a mess. And she's Peggy like, works smarter, not 
harder. Absolutely. I but, love her. No, it looked like that shit hurt when she hit that dude with the... Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Again, with the improvised weaponry, she's going to hurt you with whatever she's got on hand. Yeah, exactly. I love her. Uh, so now we get to probably one of the most uncomfortable things I have seen in a Marvel anything in a long time. Right. Uh, Which is the interrogation of Miles Van Ert. Yeah. So this is a retelling, uh, actually, of a classic good cop, bad cop routine. Uh-huh. All the way, all the way down to the carrot and stick thing that they like have. Like a on the literal table. carrot and a literal stick. I'm like, okay, guys, this is way too on the nose. How do you right. possibly interrogate anyone? I, I clearly, duly thought that this was a like a ploy that was going to work, and I, it's working kind of. On Vanner, basically, he tells him, "Look, give us somebody bigger than you, and we'll let you go." But if you don't, and that's the carrot, that's the carrot, the actual carrot that's on the table. Yep. But if you don't, uh, then this offer goes away and we will be interrogating you and and doing horrible things to you. That's the stick. So the guy says, I'm not going to tell you anything because he works for a very scary man. Yep. In and, Branis. And that scary man is probably attached to something scarier as far as he knows. Exactly. So he doesn't want to spill anything because right. he's he's more afraid of them than he is of these cops. So Dooley literally picks up the carrot, the literal carrot that's on the table and leaves the room. Yep. So then Jack Thompson, who, by the way, he's very slender. Like yep. this guy's wiry, right? Yeah. And he, particularly in 1940s clothes, which is not particularly form-fitting, it looks kind of like they hang off of him. He just looks really skinny to me. And so the idea that he's the one that's going to beat information out of this guy is a little like, okay. Uh, but he is a veteran. He did fight in the Pacific side of World War II, so he's pretty hardcore. Sure. Yeah. So he comes up and he's he's like, uh, I, I'm the stick, essentially. <laughs> Yeah. And, and puts the stick in the guy's mouth and says, you're going to want to bite down on this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he starts to beat the shit out of the guy, which I'm just like, ugh, do we really have to do this right now? Do we and really he's have- beating the shit out of this guy. Yeah. And so we go to the other side of the mirror on the interrogation room. There's Dooley and Sousa watching this go down and Peggy standing there as well. And Dooley sends her home. Carter, take off for the night. Lady shouldn't be seeing this. The lady shouldn't be seeing this. And Peggy very bravely does not roll her eyes at him right then. Yep. Because like fucking she's seen worse, but okay. And she's like, okay, whatever you boys have fun. She's out. Pause here real quick. Let's talk about the legality of what they're doing. Uh Oh, beating a prisoner is not explicitly illegal in 1946. Right. The United Nations This is relevant. The United Nations was established in 1945. And they would not make their Universal Declaration of Human Rights, co-signed by the United States of America, that explicitly outlaws torture, brutality, interrogation of this manner, all of that stuff. That's not going to be ratified until 1948. Right. So what they're doing right now, they're still the good guys while they're doing it in the eyes of the law. And it's really, I know this is uncomfortable for people, but it's also really important to note that when you're listening to radio shows about crime and murder mystery type stuff, which was a very popular genre for radio at this time, mm-hmm. it was commonplace for the cops to beat the shit out of the prisoners. And that was just a, tr- a, a story trope that they used in a celebrated way. And because, I know that, because art imitate life. Yeah. Like that's, that was something that was happening, happening. Yeah. So I know that's fucked up, but that's the times that... 
that that's what happened. That's that's mm-hmm. the truth. Absolutely. And you know who doesn't respect the gravity of the topic? Huh? M- my cat. Hold on. <laughs> meow 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 meow. Meow 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 meow. I know. You want to come help me talk about police brutality? Yes, you do. Come on. I know. Very pretty. And we're back. All right. So, uh, so yeah, they're interrogating, and they and I think Peggy realizes that um, this interrogation is gonna gonna be productive. Mm-hmm. So she's only got a little bit of time to try and get ahead of these agents who are about to get the same information she already has, mm-hmm. which is which is the driver, like information leading to Leet Branis and the bombs and the dairy truck and the driver. Like she realizes that they are just a couple of steps behind her if they get the information out of this guy. So she's got to fucking book it. Yep. So she and she does, and uh, she. <laughs> uh, by the way, the the bus comment she made earlier in the episode makes no sense because this dude lives in like rural Jersey, which, by the way, right. during this time <laughs> is fucking farmland. Right, like he's <laughs> he's out there. Yeah, so of course he had to commute to get uh, uh, take the muck truck to get home. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, Peggy needs to get to fucking work. So she's standing outside the diner waiting for Jarvis to come pick her up. And Angie's like, hey, I found you the perfect fucking place to live. Huh? Yeah. Okay. This scene was so uncomfortable. Does, is so, this made me believe that Angie's a spy because she's like, why don't you love me? Why don't you want to live next to me? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't, is this chick like in love with Peggy Carter? Which by the way, I don't, I wouldn't, why, I would, I mean, I, I, I'm in love with her. Peggy Carter, please live next to me. Right? Come be my neighbor. Borrow a cup of sugar every now and then. If you know what I mean. Okay. So, no, Peggy, Angie is like, hey, you can live here. It's this wonderful community. It's a bunch of really great girls. And that's a relevant point. Mm -hmm. At this time, uh, in the big wicked city like New York, single women... It wasn't safe to live on your own. You couldn't afford to live on your own. And you weren't allowed to live with men because mm-hmm. that's living in sin. And a lot of landlords, most landlords were not going to rent to a woman who's living in sin. Right. Right. So there would be these sort of dormitories that would get set up that was like a a community, an entire building that's just for single modern women these communities, um, that's basically like a girl's dormitory, but for adult women who are not in college, uh, who are just professional ladies in the city, they would crop up all over the place. And it was actually really cool to live there. And so that's where Angie lives. And she's trying to get Peggy to live there, too. And mm-hmm. Peggy's like, I don't want to get you killed. I, I, so... I have in my notes, oh, she wants to move into a place like where Stephanie <laughs> stayed in college. <laughs> <laughs> I did, in fact, live in an all-girls dorm. Uh, and it was, you know... It smelled better than your dorm. Oh my god! Well, I mean, well, it smelled it smelled really bad in my dorm, mostly because uh, of the amount of meth being made on the floor. (laughs) There's that, and uh, and also the boys' dorms just smelled like the monkey cages at the zoo. It's just like literally that was the smell. Mm, So Mm. (laughs) anyway, Mm -hmm. so. Peggy turns Angie down again, and it hurts Angie's feelings. She's like, is it me? It's me. I think it's because you don't like me. <laughs> and, and I'm like, Angie, relax, girl. Jesus. <laughs> and Peggy's like, ah, I did not mean to hurt your feelings, but I got to go be a spy. And she yeah. takes off. She gets in the car with Jarvis. And they go. There was a really cute moment. 
where Jarvis pulls up and he is clearly hustling around the car to open the door for her, but she gets it first and she goes too late and gets in the car. (laughs) And Jarvis gets annoyed. It's very cute. Uh, But Jarvis is uh, giving Peggy a ride up to New Jersey to find Sheldon McPhee, the driver of the dairy truck full of bombs. Right. Uh, And so Jarvis is trying to be insistent on on being like, I need to help you, blah, blah, blah. And Peggy's like, fuck you. I don't need your help. And by the way, I have a ride back because i'm getting the milk truck i don't need right. to, i don't need you to stick around exactly well she doesn't want to get jarvis killed either right she's very very aware because here's the thing okay so peggy um we saw in captain america was totally comfortable with respecting a soldier's choice to be involved in the front lines of a war right she she gave captain america the pep talk about respecting bucky barnes's choice to to put himself in harm's way, so she she is a she she respects that she's comfortable with soldiers because they literally signed up for being in harm's way. She is not comfortable with putting regular, average, everyday people in harm's way and at that, all. And that's that's the difference right there. And I I agree with that one hundred percent. But what she's going to have to learn over the course of this is that. Um, Average everyday people are who are going to help you. Yep. Like that's not everybody is going to be a super soldier. Not everybody's going to be a trained, uh, a trained fighter on the front lines of a war. Sometimes it's just the butler. Yeah. And you have to, you have to find a way to respect their choice too. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah. And that, that's a good point. It's just that, you know, for, from Peggy's perspective, you know, partnering with, partnering with the superhero your bar is now set really high and who you feel comfortable working with, you know? Right. Or protecting or et cetera, you know? So. Mm -hmm. And she's just, she's just not comfortable. She wants to be able to protect the people who work with her the same way that Steve wanted to be able to protect his howling commandos. Yep. And he couldn't, and she doesn't have a Peggy Carter to give her a pep talk about respecting people's choices. Oh, you know? yeah. So that's that's sad here. Um, so anyway, she's telling Jarvis to get the fuck out. Go home <laughs> to your wife. If you hurry, you'll be home in time for Betty Goodman. Just go. And so she's going to be going in and he's like, rah, rah, rah. yeah. Um, so she uh, also, meanwhile, we have a scene that says that uh, creepy guy number two is typing to his to the Leviathan people and letting them know that he knows where the truck is. Dun, dun, dun. All roads are leading to one point. That's right. over the course of the whole episode. It's really cool. Right. Okay. So Peggy walks right up to the bomb-filled dairy truck. It's just right there. It's parked outside this house. Yep. Uh, it's she, just right there. She open, Right? She opens the back to reveal, oh, look, there's a fuck ton of bombs. <laughs> <laughs> and then she hears the Captain America Adventure Program uh, uh, going on inside the house. How annoying. <laughs> for her how much did you love this scene though okay so yeah so anyway <laughs> she she comes in he's uh the guy there's uh the f- farmer guy sheldon mcphee yeah is um, li- he's staring at the radio with the big like star starry eyes you know like childlike oh he's lead. totally into it by the way sheldon mcphee is played by an actor named devin rattray <laughs> you may remember him as buzz from home alone whoa oh, yeah. <laughs> I hated that guy. <laughs> he kind of, he kind of looks the same, just taller. I well, he yeah. Anyway, Sorry. 
Yeah, so this is a... So, <coughs> Good character actor. <coughs> for those of y'all that play tabletop role-playing games, you may get into a situation where a player is like, okay, I need to knock out an NPC, but I don't want to kill them. And, right. and and the dungeon master is like, okay, go ahead and try. And and you end up rolling way too much damage. <laughs> that was this situation for Peggy. So Peggy, Peggy walks in. She's like, uh, uh, I'm going to interrogate you. And he resists. So she beats the shit out of him. She beats up but the, he's a giant dude. Like she, she fully but, expected that she needed to go ham on him. Yeah, and she went ham. Uh, he got knocked the fuck out, and she's, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> but the whole time that she's having this fight, like Peggy Carter is having this fight on the radio show, we have Captain America fighting Nazis to protect Betty Carver. <laughs> <laughs> so captain america is fighting at the same time that agent carter is fighting it was really good it was, it was very really well done thank really you joe russo that was cool yeah so anyway they uh peggy cannot interrogate the guy so she ties up the tight well she chains him to the chair she handcuffs him or she ties him to a chair and yeah. she's while she's doing it she's muttering she's like it's so hard getting straight answers out of people nowadays whatever happened to a nice cup of tea and a civilized interrogation <laughs> It's the most British thing she said. Exactly. Um, anyway, there's commotion outside, so she goes outside, mm-hmm. and the creepy guy number one, Lee Brannis, yes, yes, is trying to drive away in a truck, but he can't. But he can't start it, <laughs> and mm. because it turns out Jarvis is still there, he sabotaged the truck. God bless Jarvis. Well, it's the thing is Peggy's like, I told you, I don't need your help. And Jarvis says, an ideal butler provides service without being asked. <laughs> and he's right. That is, that's correct. Yes, I, 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 I watched out Nabby. I know. Have you? I, some of it, like the first couple seasons. I watched it up until I realized they fucking tricked me into watching a soap opera. Uh, I love that show, you sucker. Okay, anyway. It's still so <laughs> I good. I didn't realize it. It was so British and it was so proper and it was so interesting. And then I was like, amnesia? Wait. The Dowager Countess is my spirit animal. Uh, oh, no. She's she's brilliant. And we don't say spirit animal anymore. Why not? Oh, is that- Because there are actual cultures that have actual spirit animals and it's disrespectful. But I- And it's hard. Yeah, I know. Uh, you can call her something else. You can call her your North Star. Uh, you can call her your uh, Patronus if you don't mind being associated with, you know, a Yeah, turf. see, that's bad too. Like, exactly. Uh, so just, just, 2022 just say that is so hard. Okay. I know. Being respectful of other people's pain is really difficult. Yeah. I'm sorry, y'all. I, I, I'll try to be better. So in, in today we learned. Okay. So know, back right? to. <laughs> Back to the thing. Uh, so, yeah, Jarvis, she's like, well, you put fucking put the truck back together and then go back to the car and go home. Right. God. Except that he doesn't. He sticks around because um, <laughs> she, okay, so she's like trying to interrogate <laughs> creepy guy number one. And then she remembers, oh, he can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Peggy. So she grabs his voice box out of his pocket, shoves it up to his neck. First thing he says is, I want protection. Mm-hmm. He's not giving her shit unless she can guarantee that he will be protected because he's got scary people after him. Yeah. And Peggy's like, I ain't doing shit for you unless you start telling me something. Exactly. I love that. And all she gets out of him at this point is that Leviathan is not a who, it's a what. Right. 
which is really, that's got a lot of implications. Like, by what do you mean corporation? Do you mean organization? Do you mean, do you mean eldritch creature from the depths? What are you talking in, about? In which all possibilities could be true in the exactly. Marvel Universe, which is amazing. <laughs> this could be business Cthulhu for all we know. Like, business Cthulhu. <laughs> this could be anything. Oh my e- god. Executive Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bow tie under his tentacles. Okay. Oh. So, right? So cute. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, she sends Jarvis inside to fetch Sheldon McPhee, and Jarvis comes back to report that um, Sheldon McPhee is gone, but I found a shotgun. Oh, like, well, that's good. <laughs> it's very helpful, Jarvis. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so they just fucking give up on Sheldon McPhee, and uh, she's got Bleep Brannis at gunpoint driving the milk truck. Right. Jarvis in the back with the bombs and a shotgun. Yeah, and he, he remarks that Lisa's smell is distracting me from the fact that there is all these fucking horrible bombs around me. <laughs> and, and here is where I would like to add a new counter to the show. Ooh, what is this counter? The uh, uh, action sequence on top of vehicle counter. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, we do need that. Make a note. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah that, action that... sequence on top of a vehicle. I will make a note. Hold on. I'm writing it down with my hand. Yeah, because that's what's going to happen, right, Meow? <laughs> so, but meanwhile, before we get into oh, that, because oh, they're right. driving down the road, before we get into that, uh, the agents at the SSR got the name Lee Brannis, they got the address for Sheldon McPhee, they're on their way out to New Jersey as well. Yeah? Yep. And so they're driving, and you see Jack Thompson is driving. Now, originally, the script called for uh, Chief Dooley to be, like, reading through the file and stuff in the car. But the actor, Shea Wiggum, pointed out, it's nighttime, it's dark, I can't read in here. Yeah. And also, uh, Chief Dooley doesn't get any fucking sleep. So he's actually going to be asleep with his hat over his eyes <laughs> in the car, which I thought was really cute. <laughs> that the, the idea of Chief Dooley being severely sleep deprived actually made a lot of sense. I agree with that. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. So they're driving along, and Thompson's like, uh, Chief? <laughs> because what does he see in his headlights up ahead of him on the road? <laughs> Uh, McPhee is, like, uh, has shrapnel of the chair he was strapped to. He's still <laughs> strapped to the fucking thing. Well, it's all cracked and broken, right? Because he had to get, no. he, had to, he had to break the bottom part off No, he just bit. got up and started running. His feet weren't bound. I thought the part of it was no, broken. No, because when they pull up next to him while he's running down the street with his chair on his ass, <laughs> they pull up next to him and he just puts the chair down and sits. <laughs> That's right. Starts, starts huffing and puffing. Because, you know, he's a big dude and that was a long way to run. So they're like, hey, they get him in the car, uh, presumably after freeing him from the chair. He's in the back of the car and Chief Dooley's like, uh, so do I even need to ask? No. <laughs> and McPhee's like, ask what? <laughs> and, and Dooley says my favorite line of the episode. He says, yeah, I guess you're right. I used to strap a chair to my ass and take long walks around the neighborhood too. <laughs> And so they ask him, <laughs> they ask Sheldon McPhee who did this to him. And Sheldon's like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And they're like, try me. Mm-hmm. So that's going on. Meanwhile, back in the dairy truck, they're like, this is going great. Everything is fine. And then boom. Creepy guy number two uh, rolls up on them. He is on the roof of the truck. He dropped down out of a goddamn tree. Yep. Sir, really? How long are you in that tree? 
a long time. But okay. Okay. Like, we never, you know, again, this is one of those scenes where you don't want to think about it for too long. No. That dude was sitting up there for a long fucking time. For a time. while. Like, yeah. he had to scout out the location, find the road, figure out their, their route out of there, and yep. then pick the tree limb. To, okay, whatever. He yep. drops down on the roof. But in fairness, there would only be one milk truck going by, right? Right. At this time of night. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what do they, um like, swerve the truck a lot to try and drop him off or... um I mean, he does start shooting down through the roof of yeah, the truck, so, so that's Peggy, a problem. Peggy does suggest that at first, but uh, as soon as he starts shooting, which has, you know, bombs in the back of the fucking There's truck. bombs! There's bombs! Oh. <laughs> uh, so Peggy decides that the most reasonable thing to do is to climb on top of the truck and have a fucking fist fight with this dude while... In a skirt and heels. In a skirt and in heels. In a skirt and heels, of course. Um, while <sighs> God, while Lee Brannis is trying to drive. Right. Uh, oh my God. This is such a fucking and Jarvis is screaming at Leet Brannis to pull over, uh, and Leet Brannis is not pulling over. Uh, meanwhile, they're fighting, 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 and uh, Peggy, while on the roof of the truck, yells at Jarvis to shoot up. So I feel like that's a little, <laughs> that's a little dangerous. Over, through this fight, Peggy does get shot in the leg. It's yep. a graze uh, along the outside of her thigh. Right. So that happens. Uh, and uh yeah the fight the fight goes well and everything's resolved peacefully. Yeah. Yeah, no. So uh, uh <laughs> so assassin guy uh shoots uh he's trying to shoot Peggy but Peggy they're doing like the back and forth. Yeah. Uh he fires off a gun downward which hits uh creepy guy number 1 aka Lee Brannis. Mm-hmm. Uh Lee Brannis is fatally shot. So then he finally fucking pulls over. Well, he's he's bleeding well, out. He doesn't they don't really pull over because here's the thing. Well, Jarvis the bombs kinda, Yeah. The bombs are starting to go off. Right. Like, they're on a fucking time limit here. So Peggy screams at Jarvis to grab Mr. Brannis and jump. She jumps, too. So creepy guy number two and a truck full of bombs that are about to go off go flying over a ledge. I guess there's a lot of ledges over. There's like a lake and a quarry over there. Uh, this is a, I don't know, New Jersey. Sure. And uh, Yeah, no, there are. Uh, New England in general, Heather, <laughs> has water. Okay. <laughs> you may not be. I, I know. I know where you are. There are like bodies of water, but there are bodies of water everywhere up there. And Weird. I know it is like I'm. I'm in California, right? So I'm like, there's water. <laughs> what is that? Um, so, uh, uh, but yeah, th- this is a, a typical a, a typical scene where there's a big lake community. It's big. It's beautiful, and it's gone forever now. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I don't know what you mean, but all right. Um, I mean, what happens with the bombs? I'm sorry. Well, but the bombs, because the bombs go into the water, the destruction is contained, I assume. Um, But it, like, so because it's dark, and I think the the darkness and the fact that we couldn't see anything around was indicative of production costs. Um, Yeah. So the truck, the truck full of bombs goes over the edge, falls in the water, boom, everything goes boom out and then sucks back in. And then there's just... A whole bunch of booming going. So yeah, you're right. The, probably the entire surrounding area was destroyed. But Peggy is fine. She's a little in shock. Yeah. Uh, staring at, cause she just had to roll on some pavement. She just watched this whole bomb go off. She checks on Jarvis. Jarvis is fine, but he's like, ah, I think Mr. Brannis broke my fall. Aww. Oops. Uh, Leap Brannis is dying. Yep. On the side of the road here. Uh, and you can hear sirens in the distance as Peggy is like trying to get some fucking information out of this guy before he dies. She's like, shit, again. Except. Voice box. Reaches into his pocket, but oops. There is no voice box. Yep. It's shattered into a bajillion pieces. He couldn't tell her anything if he wanted to. And he does want to. And you see he reaches over with his thumb and like draws a, 
A butt? A female anatomy chart symbol. It's a, it's a butt. It was a butt. It, it was, was a booty. A butt. It was a bootay. It's a bo- um, <laughs> It was a heart. It was weird. I don't know uh, what he was fucking doing. <laughs> he draws this weird symbol in the dirt. Yeah. Um, and she's like, what is that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then he dies. And then Jarvis is like, we should probably go. Um, so she reaches over and scratches out the symbol and they take off. Yep. And uh, then shortly thereafter, our boys from the SSR pull up. Yeah, because yeah. there was an explosion there, that there kind was of a, pulled there their attention. A, there was a flash of light in the sky. <laughs> yeah, so they just kind of follow that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you do. Um, and they pull up. And here's the thing: again, they're not stupid. The chief is standing over Leap Brannis's body, and he's pointing at the ground. He's like, "There was a woman here." Yep. Like he sees all of her high heel shoe footprints. Uh-oh. That are around the area. There's a woman here. She was here with him until he died or until she killed him. They figure this is probably the woman who beat up McPhee. This is probably the woman who killed Spider Raymond. Uh, they are on the trail of this woman. They just aren't putting it together that the woman in question is Peggy. Yep. Because, you know, they underestimate her. Uh, meanwhile, Sousa finds a hotel key on the ground. Uh-oh. I think that was dropped by creepy guy number two. I think I think you're right. I think I think right. he's been doing all of his mysterious typing in a hotel room. Yeah, that makes sense okay, to me. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I was confused by that too. Okay, so uh, we get to um, an aftermath scene where Jarvis is stitching up Peggy's bullet wound, and she's he's actually really good at it. I well, I mean, he works for Howard Stark. I'm assuming Howard Stark has been in positions where people have fired guns at him. Probably, but he says... Yes, Mr. Stark's zippers are under considerable strain. <laughs> that was my uh, second... Uh, uh, that was my second choice for line. And I'm just like, oh my. Oh my. I, uh, so Jarvis is uh, hemming his pants and uh, measuring his... Uh, his uh, yes, he's yeah. doing butler things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So anyway... I, um, I picked the wrong profession. Uh, you did. So Jarvis is uh, is talking to Peggy, and he's kind of hemming and hawing around. Like he's being, he's very Britishly trying to scold her. Uh, and she's like, "Well, you just come out and say it." And he says, "Look, you need to accept help. You're very lucky I was there tonight." And he's right. Your line of work requires support. People who care about your well-being will be there to stitch up your wounds. If I allow people to get close to me, I'm putting them in danger. So your solution is to remove yourself from the world you wish to protect. Where's the sense in that? He tells her uh, that she doesn't have to carry the entire world on her shoulders. Not There's nobody in the world who can do that. Nobody. Uh, there's, nobody. There's nobody. Nobody. She's like, Steve. Steve could. Uh, no. Exactly. Jarvis is like... From what Mr. Stark has told me, Captain Rogers relied heavily on you. For courage, strategy, and moral guidance... You were his support. (laughs) I know! Uh, And so here's where I want to talk real quick about um, the difference between the hero's journey and the heroine's journey. Because it's something that we're seeing unfold here. It's something that Peggy's grappling with. So, because Steve was on the hero's journey. Right? Mm-hmm. right. And the hero's journey is uh, someone who, you know, starts from nothing and or from, uh, you know, from obscurity, gets the call to adventure, becomes the hero, and they end up alone 
uh, in the full realization of their power, often sacrificing themselves. That's what he went through. Right. Um, you know, they get they get the mentor, which for Steve was Erskine. Right. Uh, they get all of that and they, they evolve. So Peggy is trying to put herself on a hero's journey here because that's the model that she was shown in Steve. So she got the call to adventure last episode, which was Howard Stark showing up and saying, hey, clear my name. Mm-hmm. And find all of my bad babies and all of my Stark Tech <laughs> bullshit that is loose in the world. My right bad now. babies. Ugh. My bad babies. Um, but she's not a hero. She's a heroine. And the heroine's journey, it's actually really interesting to read about, is very different. The heroine's journey is not one that leads to solitude and just standing in your own strength. The heroine's journey is one that starts the same way. It starts from mm-hmm. relative obscurity. Usually heroines start very alone. And very lonely, much like Peggy did at the beginning of the series, they get the call to adventure and they start building a community. Hmm. They start building a tribe around themselves. And that through that support and that community and that accepting help from others is how they're able to proceed on their journey and become a fully realized heroine. That's the difference. I feel so much smarter now. Right? So <laughs> Peggy is trying to like railroad herself into this hero's journey. And Jarvis is telling her, actually, if you would just let me help you yeah. and accept help from other people, then you would actually be able to have your heroine's journey here. You're not going to get anywhere trying to go it alone. And he's right. And he's 100% right. Mm-hmm. So Peggy takes that lesson to heart. Because what's the next scene? <laughs> so she goes to the women's hotel. <laughs> <laughs> she, she takes angie up on her offer exactly and uh i i did love this scene but it's like you know that there's a there's a very angry headmistress who is who is miriam yeah and and she is like a a, a remnant of the uh what is the anti-alcohol law uh, prohibition prohibition yes she yes. Uh, she was definitely part of the prohibition movement you know like very much uh women are constantly seduced by sinful ways and we must protect ourselves blah 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 right no men upstairs you know <laughs> well yeah she she basically peggy has to have an interview yep to be able to get into this place but on their way to the interview angie is excited and introducing her to all the girls she says hi that's mary she's a legal secretary that's evelyn she's a lounge singer that's sarah she's a slut she's She's a a slut slut. (laughs) (laughs) and like high five sarah how you doing like there's there's not a lot of judgment there there that's just we're just identifying everything i I was like i'm i'm sarah what (laughs) right i am sarah and sarah is me um so peggy goes into her interview with miriam uh miriam is she's sort of the headmistress of this place she's an actress played by an actress by the name of megan fay Mm -hmm. uh who played a character from grace and frankie oh yeah named named goldie yep Okay, I, I figured you would be familiar. That's yet another show that I absolutely should be watching, but like, I'm going to need to clone myself and then clone me can watch all of these other shows, right? I, I don't have I, that kind of time. I, I'm just saying you would love Grace and Frankie. I absolutely would. I know I would. I recognize that I would, just like I recognize that I would love what we do in the shadows. I just don't have that kind of time. I know, I know, I know. I, know. I, 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 I mean, I, maybe just, if I just ignored my children completely. Ooh, that, there's an idea. There you go. Hey. I'm kidding. That's never going to happen. Okay. So Miriam, uh, in interviewing Peggy 
uh, is clearly like trying to feel out Peggy's character and like what quality of a girl she is. Um, and so she's asking her like, how long are you going to be working at the phone company? And Peggy appropriately says, oh, until I get married. Uh huh. Because she knows how to work this. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> and so Miriam is approving of that. And this is the Griffith Hotel is the location. Yeah. Uh, and she says that the Griffith Hotel, it's a haven for proper ladies. So there's a curfew of 10 p.m. Like that's ever going to apply to Peggy ever. But okay. No drinking and no men above the first floor. So we'll see how well these Stephanie. rules are enforced. I Well, yeah. <laughs> I used to be an RA at an all-girls dorm. I know how much it sucks to be the person who has to police these fucking rules. It's goddamn terrible because I did not care. I didn't give one flying fuck if you had dudes in your room at 2 o'clock in the morning. I didn't care. But it was my job to make sure that nobody knew about that. Like, if you did have it, maybe let's not all get caught. Okay? So I I had to teach my residents discretion. And that's so fucking hard. 17, 18-year-old girls, yeah, they're great at discretion. Um, no, comment I'm on, not... no comment on how I also snuck into the dorm. Oh, when, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no. Because <laughs> anyway. we, we, we were like, we're not sleeping tonight. Because uh, hello, Mountain Dew addiction. Uh, and it's too fucking cold to hang out on the front steps smoking. So, and I can't, and I had a horrible roommate. Yes. Yeah. So. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah. Fun times. Um, So. Don't you like just thinking about those days? No. Yeah. Well, okay. So Peggy is accepted at the Griffith Hotel. That's great. She goes back to the office later that day to find the men are arguing over a stack of photographs. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, no. They found her. She's in the photographs. She's totally busted. Uh, no, no. They think that's Joe DiMaggio in the pictures. <laughs> and they want Peggy to confirm. And Peggy plays stupid. And, well, yeah. And is like, oh, I don't, I don't keep track of boxing. <laughs> and then suddenly the men pass, uh, like, or like, oh, I, one of the guys say, oh, I knew it. And they start passing cash between them. And Peggy realizes that they had made a bet on whether or not she would know who Joe DiMaggio right. is. And that Sousa bet against her. Yep. You bet against me? How could you be sure? It wasn't. That's why they call it gambling. <laughs> I know. I love Sousa. It's very though. cute. It's yeah. cute. He's precious. And so, um, and that's a callback to earlier when he was trying to figure out what horse to bet on. And she told him, you know, I forgot what she said exactly, but. Yeah. This is a gambling thing. It's a joke. It's a thing. It's building their rapport and it's great. Yeah. Um, so one last little coda at the end of the episode, we cut back to Krasminski, um, tired, dirty, annoyed that he's still pulling apart this wreckage of Roxon. But what does he find, Chris? A license plate to the car that Jarvis was driving. Oh my God. He finds actual evidence. The one piece of evidence that we nearly needed him not to find. He fucking finds it. Dun, dun, dun. And end episode. End episode. So the, the, the plot continues to thicken and complicate. And everybody is traveling the same paths to the same locations. But they're just a couple of steps behind Peggy Carter, who is struggling to stay just a couple of steps ahead. I fucking love this show. Me too. I love it. I, I love it. Love it. I love it. I do you love think it. we should start? Do you think we should start doing like a quick recap at the start of our episodes about this to recap what happened last time? Oh my god, I love that idea. 
Okay. Do you want to do you want to do it like Admiral Yularen style? <laughs> Peggy Carter in danger. <laughs> exactly. I can, I, yes, yes, I yes. Don't, I don't know if I'll be that fancy, but we can do we can do that. Okay. So I think that's it for Bridge and Tunnel. Yay! Yay! Okay, so that means next time we will be talking about Agent Carter Season 1, Episode 3, Time and Tide. Yeah, so, uh, and real quick comment, folks. I I had a friend be like, I'm loving the Agent Carter stuff, I didn't expect that, but, like, I thought y'all were going to do the Marvel movies. We're doing this shit in chronological order, and let me tell y'all, when we get past Agent Carter, it is full head-on to some serious shit with Marvel movies, so right. just hang out with us, because we're taking our time, because once we do that, it's like it's like light speed forward. <laughs> yeah. After after Agent Carter, it's it's Captain Marvel and Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, and it goes on and on and on. Yeah, and it goes on right on. into the Avengers. It goes through all of the movies, and then um, we're going to be probably getting into Daredevil. Because he's canon now, I, too, apparently. I, I, I want to get into Daredevil, too. Yeah, can we please? Humana, <laughs> humana. Um, so, yeah, don't worry. We will be getting to the more well-known MCU content, but come on this little journey with us. And remember that this is all history that is involved in and in the grander cinematic universe that you know. And so all of this context is relevant. Absolutely. Like, this is where S.H.I.E.L.D. came from, is the adventures of Agent Carter right now. And I don't know, S.H.I.E.L.D. has a couple of things to do with the MCU. Kind of. Here and there. (laughs) God damn it. Anyway, uh, so yeah, next time is going to be episode three, Time and Tide. Yes, that it? Is that it for today? That's it, actually. Awesome. Okay, so are we ready to outro? You want to outro? Let's do it. All right. Okay. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate the hell out of that. If you would like to hang out with us in between episodes, you totally can. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as at Marvelous Divas. Although, quick note, some other bitch has at Marvelous Divas on (laughs) Facebook. So it's actually at The Marvelous Divas on Facebook. Sorry about that. Also, uh, you can subscribe to our podcast. Uh, We're pretty much at this point on most of the podcast platforms. Uh, Please, if if the podcast platform you use has a review system, please submit a review. And uh, when we have enough of those, we'll start reading the positive ones on the air. So there you go. Um, Even, you know, if you hate the show, if you hate that we're spending so much time talking about a girl uh, or whatever, if you want to give us some negative feedback, that's fine. Slap five stars on it. And we will read it on the show. We're going to start doing that next episode. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And a uh, quick note, y'all. Um, for those of y'all that have come crossed over from our other podcast, Dark Side Divas, I have to thank y'all so much uh, for supporting us in general. We have already done more downloads with Marvelous Divas than we did for like the first six months of us doing Dark Side Divas. So <laughs> we're we're growing very quickly, and um, I know I know there are I know there are a bunch of first time users as well. Uh, you're gross, and that's awesome. Um, <laughs> you said growing very quickly. What was I supposed to do? Heather, I'm 40. I don't grow quickly anymore. No, I'm <laughs> 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 oh, need, a little, need a little help. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah anyway, anyway, so but anyway, I want to thank you all so much for supporting us and subscribing to our show. This show is growing very quickly, and I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. You guys are awesome. Uh, is that it? Is that it? Yep. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so goodbye. Bye, Bye guys. Bye-bye now. Bye.
the most embarrassing thing in the world ever in my life just happened to me. Oh my god! Please tell me about this. Please tell the microphone about this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I wait. I don't know why I didn't tell you this before. Go on. Um, one sec. Okay, so um, you're still recording, right? That little one sec wasn't you pausing your recording, so this isn't on the record. Anyway, no, I I I, I, I lowered my recording volume okay, because okay, the wave okay. file. Okay, I'm okay. I'm being I'm being considerate of my editor in chief. <laughs> you're being considerate of how you sound in the final product is what you're doing, and that's uh, legit. Go on. Well, tell me tell me about the most embarrassing thing. Go okay, on. So, so uh, there's two points of background that you need to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I have a neighbor with a psychotic dog who is under orders by local authorities to keep her dog with on a muzzle every time the dog goes out. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a very violent, aggressive <laughs> dog. Um, Here's the thing. There's no such thing as bad dogs. Bad no. owners. No such yes. thing as a bad dog. Well, I think this dog was a rescue, and mm-hmm. the person who has adopted said dog just is... she's She is what she is. She's just mm. not... She's the sort of person who literally keeps a piece of plastic on top of a stove while it's on. And mm. instead of removing said piece of plastic while it's smoking, that's setting off the fire alarms for the fourth fucking time, she'll just run out of the apartment. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So that's the owner. Anyway. <sighs> so oh, Okay, go on, dog. So recently she's been not putting the muzzle on the dog. So I have come around the corner and had attack dog in my face trying oh, to kill me. Oh, Yeah. So... Uh, uh, second point is I live near a military base, mm-hmm. and recently there are three guys who look like <gasps> they belong on a Abercrombie and Fitch uh, model catalog. Mm-hmm. Uh, they work out in the morning together, or on the weekends they will work out shirtless in the courtyard in the middle of my apartment, and for whatever reason, totally not on purpose, uh, every time I'm walking by and I see them, they are shirtless putting sunblock <laughs> lotion on each other. Right? God bless America. I know. <laughs> so so I'm downstairs this morning just walking around, getting warmed up, getting ready for the show. And I am w- approaching the staircase. And I hear footsteps from above. Somebody's coming down the stairs. And I'm thinking, just because of the jingling sound, that of I'm thinking it's a leash. It's a dog on a leash. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the evil <laughs> attack dog. Mm-hmm. So I... <laughs> I dash underneath the stairs. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm hearing the footsteps and realizing, oh, it's more than one person. Oh, it's a group of people. It's not the dog. It, it, and then I look up and I see it's the three hot guys. And they're, they're walking past me and they don't notice me. And I'm feeling so proud of myself. I've, I've made my stealth roll. And for reasons beyond any and all comprehension, I giggle like Homer Simpson. Can I hear can I hear that giggle real quick? <laughs> which which did, alert which alert, Did you botch your stealth roll then? I which alerted all three men. Uh, <laughs> So they, now you're the giggling queer under the stairs. They, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they turn around in horror and see me sticking out from under the staircase like some fucking bridge troll. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's oh what happened honey. this morning. I'm yeah. so sorry. The only way that story could be better is if you then... 
<laughs> manage to slink your way up the stairs, and there's the attack dog. <laughs> I would have let it just eat me right there. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> where's that fucking attack dog when I need it? I oh, shit. 